0: We would like to invite you to join us at the Stage for Change workshop put on by Leslie's Week and will be held at the Legacy Castle on September 16th, 2021,
1: in Pompton Plains, New Jersey. The mission of this workshop is to give our Leslie's Week Stage 4 Metastatic Breast Cancer Honorees a voice in their diagnosis, treatment, and living results by increasing their understanding of the language in communicating with those who treat them in their quest for longevity. This is an opportunity for attendees to gain an understanding of the unspoken frustrations metastatic breast cancer patients.
0: So you're invited to join us. Click the link in the show notes. It will take you to Leslie's Week website and you can purchase your tickets or sign up to receive notification for the 2022 event. Success looks so easy from the outside, but all successful people have had to overcome enormous obstacles along the way. And in many cases, look failure right in the eye. Most successful people don't focus on the struggle and rarely do they talk about it because quite frankly, that's not what creates success. Join us here where we will chat with fierce female entrepreneurs and share the good, the bad and the ugly of entrepreneurship and talk about the obstacles we have faced and how you can overcome them to reach the success that you desire. I am your host, Cammy Lehman, and this is the She's Invincible podcast. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today on the She's Invincible podcast. And can I tell you, we have one of the most invincible women with us today. Sandra Gunn does not see obstacles. She runs through them. She is the founder of Leslie's Week, a stage four breast cancer nonprofit. She creates ideas and turns them into realities. The Leslie's Week stage four breast cancer 2018 and 2019 honorees wanted to express what it's like to live each day with metastatic breast cancer. Sandra heard them. They collaborated and wrote two terminal books to reveal the breast cancer community, what stage four breast cancer women experience while they are alive. In 2019, the honorees told her their voices are not heard. So she created the Stage for Change workshop held at the Legacy Castle on September 16th, 2021, where she invited them to be the expert speakers. She has supported this Stage 4 metastatic breast cancer passion for 10 years and knows no boundaries. Sandra believes conviction is an orphan without commitment. Oh my gosh. Welcome, Sandra, to the She's Invincible podcast. It is uh, so amazing to have you here with us today to share your wisdom, your stories, your heart, the work that you're doing in the world, and the way that you're changing lives. Welcome. Oh my
1: God, what an introduction. I'm going to had to write that one down. <laughs> I've got people that
0: won't believe it. Oh my gosh, I can't believe you said that. You know, so many times when I introduce people and of course they provide their bios um, and I say to them, do you ever feel like you're just like, pinch me? Is this really real? Is Is she talking about me? me? (laughs) Yes, did I do that? Who did that? (laughs) Yes, you did. You did for all the women in the world and the families. And I just, I'm so excited to
1: have you here and just talk about all of this and so much more today. Good. I am too. I think it's time for uh, stage four breast cancer to be recognized in a much larger platform than where it is now oh i couldn't agree more i could not agree more well let's just jump
0: in let's okay. get started let's not leave them hanging no. let's tell our <laughs> listeners how in the world did you get where you are today and what
1: makes you invincible uh let's see i got to where i am today because i do not accept no for an answer i like yes I like yes, because I think my ideas are good ideas. And uh, when someone says no, I convince them until they finally say yes. And you can ask my volunteers, because that is how I operate and they understand that. (laughs) (laughs) I love that about you.
0: I just love that. That's amazing. So tell us how you got started. Like, let's go back to like your education. What did you do? You know, what were some of
1: your first jobs? Uh, let's see, my education, um, I grew up in the South, so I went to University of Florida, got my BA, and then went on to Auburn University, got my master's, uh, came out of uh, school, you know, with all kinds of great ideas, how I was going to change things, or at least get them to a place where they could change, and uh, entered the real world, Uh, where you have to work for a living and make money and you have a job and you have a boss and you have peers and found out I didn't fit very well (laughs) because I always thought I had a better idea and your superiors do not like or I don't think, it's not that they don't like you, it's that I think they're slightly threatened by people who are under them who might change something and they're not adaptable to change. So uh, I didn't last long in many jobs I had, <laughs> which is kind of funny to me because every time I left, I grew. That's right. Isn't that funny how that works?
0: They're just stepping stones. You That's really all they have are. You have to be in the same place forever. Yeah.
1: So, okay. So let's talk about um, your teaching job. Oh, I. Uh, I had several, and ended up in one school. Um, that was uh, the time. That was the time of um, President Kennedy, and he was revamping education in the country. And they were offering a lot of mini grants, what they called mini grants, and they were twenty-five thousand dollar grants. And all you had to do is, if you had a great idea, was to write a grant proposal and submit it to the Department of Education. So my master's professor, who was Dr. Dawson at that time, said, Sandra, you write, go ahead and write a proposal, because I was teaching and going to school. And uh, I'll I'll be sure it's turned in, and I'll review it. But I think you've got some good ideas. So I did. And um, at that time, the school that I was teaching in, they were doing a math grant proposal, which I didn't know at the time. then they found out I was doing, through Dr. Dawson, a humanities grant proposal where I was, well, I had conceived this idea that we take music and art and literature and drama and theater and, and combine it into a, a course that combined all of those elements of the arts so that children could see how they were all related rather than separate. Um, And I thought that separating them was unfair to the children because they should see how all of these elements that are artistic and creative elements combine to create life in an enjoyable sense. What is life without music? What is life without theater? What is life without art or books or plays or great poems? So, um, you can see I'm still passionate about that subject. So, yes. I, wrote, <laughs> I wrote the grant, uh, and it went in, and um, unfortunately uh, for my career, but fortunately for that year that I taught that course, I was funded. And um, the higher-ups got a little angry with me because they wanted the math grant funded. Um, but I thought one plus one is two and it will always be one plus one is two. But a child's mind influenced with music and art and creative endeavors flourishes and that changes that human being. So I pr- I did the program that year. And uh, my life was made somewhat uncomfortable throughout the entire experience. And uh, at the end of the year, I resigned. Uh, because they wanted me to resign. Uh, they didn't, I, what, I, what I discovered after I resigned and sat there and thought about this for a while was that change is very, very difficult to implement. People do not like change. They, they like their little zone of comfort where they, where they work or what, whatever. Uh, and when a person like myself, who is a creative individual, comes in and says, "Oh, I got a better idea," listen, why don't we try it this way? That's a threat. So it was then that I decided that I had to become my own boss because I'd probably be the only boss I ever really appreciated. <laughs> so I went. That's agree. That's
0: agree. So, <laughs> so I created so my. I created my grid. own. Life. <laughs> you got the grant and you ended your teaching career yes <laughs> yes nothing like going out with a bang right <laughs> That's it yeah, yeah so then you so then you started your own business yes you went yes, into the I world did. of entrepreneurship which is yes. so I mean you were ahead of your time right yes. women weren't yes. doing that then so no. let's yeah so
1: tell us a little bit about that well I went into I was trained in design basically and um Went into interior design, developed a company, uh, and met some really interesting people uh, and collaborated with, uh, as a matter of fact, a woman who's now a member of my board, Annie Chang, who is the uh, an entrepreneur who created Grove International. And her company uh, has contacts in China at all the big manufacturing uh, Clients of stone. She's in the stone business, granite and marble and slate and quartz. And so when I met her, we just, it was like a collision of two comets coming together. And uh, we just hit it off. And she did all the jobs I ever, I ever got. She did all the kitchens, the tile, the floors, the bathrooms, countertops. Uh, I mean, just an amazing woman who is Very faith-based and led me from being sort of out there in the world, you know, thinking I could do it myself to over the years to becoming a faith-based woman myself. Uh, I had tremendous success in the design industry. Tremendous. I love that. Oh I was gosh. my own boss. Yes, you were. You had the best boss in the world. Yes. <laughs> That's the
0: best thing about entrepreneurship, right? Yes. You can fire yourself at night and hire yourself back Stop in the, the next
1: morning. morning.
0: That's right. You can oh, make the God. coffee
1: any way you want it. Oh, my gosh. I, I love that. I wouldn't live any other way, Cammie. Honestly, uh, <laughs> it's so much more interesting creating your own destiny. And listen, I failed. Yeah. I had some setbacks. Uh, Yeah. I got beat up sometimes, not physically, but you know what I mean? Business beat up. Yes. But through all of that, guess what? It was always my responsibility. I was, I was the person where the buck stopped because I was the one who was in charge. So I had to grow. And every time I had a setback, I leaped forward into another dimension, and oh my God, what an exciting way to live.
0: Oh, and it just gets better, right? So, it does. Yeah, it does. so let's cross the bridge now. Let's tell everyone, I mean, here you are, the founder of this most amazing uh, Leslie's Week, and just, oh. oh my goodness, you know, and here you are, and it, you know, you've had the ups and downs of, you know, being a teacher, having your own business in, you know, in, Design and now this. So let's tell our listeners about how you got uh, to this place.
1: How I got to stage four breast cancer is a very interesting story. I was motoring along in my life, uh, reaching uh, some really interesting apexes and zeniths. Went to have uh, an exam, my yearly exam, got a phone call. And the doctor said, We found something. Come on in. Let's do a mammogram. I hate those damn things. I mean, they just are, they're just horrible, but I had to do it. So I went. And there they put that machine down and crushed my breast. (laughs) And they found something, but I didn't know it. Then I got another call two days later Sandra, uh, I am sorry to tell you that you have breast cancer. And I went into immediate denial. I said, no, I don't have breast cancer. I can't have breast cancer. Well, you do have breast cancer. I said, I don't believe it. And I said, went through my little denial speech. And then they said, come on in. We want to do a a thing where they put a needle in and take a sample out, biopsy. Yeah. Yeah. And um, went in, sure enough, it was breast cancer. So I said, okay, what do I do now? Well, you have to have surgery. I said, okay. Recommended a doctor. Dr. Taffra, who is an internationally known breast cancer surgeon, um, who is also on my board. That's interesting how I pulled all these people into my game. Yes, yes. <laughs> and she, the first thing she said to me, which was very interesting, she walked into the exam room, my husband and I were sitting there and she said, How do you feel about your breast? And I looked at her and I said, uh well, they came in handy when I was breastfeeding. <laughs> I didn't know what else to say. <laughs> oh, and so from awesome. there she went into the discussion of having my breast right breast was the one that had cancer removed. So we went into uh where I was at Anne Arundel, Hos- uh, Anne Arundel Hospital, uh, they have a class called Gear Up. And you go to the Gear Up workshop, and this is where they tell you what your life is going to be like without your breasts. Because, Cami, what defines a woman in our culture? Her breasts. You have to have breasts, right? And when you That's, lose yeah. them, what happens to your self-esteem what happens to you when you look in the mirror and they're no longer there and all you have are scars? Mm. What happens to your husband when he looks at you? This is the woman he desires and he wants to procreate with. What happens to him? So there's this whole big thing about your breast that a lot of people don't think about. Went to the gear up shop. There were about 14 or 15 of, of, of us in there, we were all having surgery. And the nurse navigator said, Sandra, you start. And I hate being the first one. I like being the last. So I said, well, my name is Sandra Gunn, and I'm having right breast removal, surgery removal, on April 4th. And I'm sure glad it was not April 1st. (laughs) And it cracked everybody up, Cammie, and it sort of broke the ice. And the women, you could see, started to relax. So I made fun of it. You know, because everybody is so serious in the room. And as it turned out, every woman in there was stage four except me. And I didn't know that. I found that out as I got to meet them because I'm a people person. I like people, even the bad ones. I like them, too. Uh, And I would ask them, trying to find out for myself, because I had breast cancer. What is your greatest fear? Because a lot of them had already been through a lot of stuff, chemo and radiation and drugs and everything. And they said, what will become of my children when I'm gone? Who will love them the way I do? And I was so taken aback that every single one of the 14 in the room said that to me. What? will become of my children who will love them like I do and I'm a mother and that struck me so intensely because I had not never thought that way what will become of my sons when I go and there all of them had little bitties my sons were grown but they all had little bitties like little chicks you know and little duckies yeah, so um, I had my right breast mastectomy. I uh, was re- I was rehabilitating through the summer. Uh, I had put my interior design business on hold till I got through this, and winter came and it was snowing in January, and I had this idea. I said, "Why don't I write?" of the 1023 IRS form for a nonprofit. And I sat down at my computer and I went to IRS. I pulled it down. I looked at it and I went, holy cow, I can't do this. I can't write this. It's like 500 million pages you got to fill out. So I sat there and I thought, okay, do I hire an attorney? Do I hire a CPA? And a little voice, Cami, I'm not exaggerating. A little voice inside said, Start with number one, question number one. And I mentioned to you in a previous uh, conversation that I'd seen a movie with Alec Guinness, uh, Bridge Over the River Kwai, where he had these orphans. And uh, I can't remember the woman who was the teacher, orphan keeper, and all the orphans were standing there, little Chinese orphans escaping the Japanese, and they looked up. And, and she said, how, how can we cross that mountain? Well, it's We can't cross that mountain. And he looked at all those children and he said, we will cross that mountain one step at a time. And that quote came searing after years of that movie, came searing back into my brain. And I said, I will cross this mountain, starting with question number one. And I worked on that nonprofit form. All of January and February. And you can, as my husband, he's my witness. Eight, nine, 10 hours a day, gathering documents, writing things, you know, whole paragraphs and pages. And I finished it February uh, 25th, took it to my CPA and said, hey, because she does that kind of stuff. I said, Karen, read this for me. And was in her conference room for two hours. She went page by page because she's an accountant. You know, they, they deal with statistics and numbers. So she's not going to miss a sentence. That's right. And she, a little detail. Yeah. <laughs> and she read it and when she finished. She stood up and she looked at me and she said, who wrote this? Did you have an attorney write this? I said, no, I didn't have an attorney. What does a guy know about breast cancer? I wrote it. I said, is it bad? Should I should I forget this idea? She looked at me and I swear to God, she said, Sandra, put it in a FedEx overnight package today, and you send it. You're going to get funded. You're going to get approved. That's what she said. You're going to get approved. Unbelievable. And then she said, but it will be two to three years. You have to wait because it's a process. Uh, Or One year, two years. It's going to be a while. And I submitted it February 25th and on September 9th. A few months later, six, seven months later, I got a letter from IRS approving stage for stage for medicine breast cancer nonprofit leslie sweet that is amazing
0: it almost seems senseless to even ask you what makes you invincible <laughs> holy smokes but let's go there
1: so tell our listeners what makes you invincible as i think about it i think what makes me invincible in every every single thing i do in my life is that when I make a commitment, it's it's like driven down into stone. If I make a commitment to a human being, they can count on it being fulfilled. And when I made a commitment to those women in that gear up workshop that I was going to try to do something, I did it. I formed a breast can a stage four breast cancer nonprofit that I was going to serve them and. It's called commitment. And I mean commitment in every sense of the word. You live it, you breathe it, you think it, you feel it, you eat it, you drink it every day. It's in your blood, it's in your mind, it's in your thoughts, and it never leaves you until you finish it. And that's how I live my life. I drive my husband absolutely insane. (laughs) And my (laughs) friends- That's so awesome. Oh, the men, the men behind these crazy women, right? That are yeah. determined and committed. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Commitment is, is crucial. And, and I think if you're committed, first you have to create the idea. Then you have to commit yourself because as you're creating as an artist, as I'm making the creation, I'm committing every step of the way of the idea. And once I get to the place where I say, okay, now how do we do this? I'm so committed to it through the thought process that I can't turn away from it. And I do it. I love
0: that. And you know, our topic today is do not do the possible, do the impossible, which I yes. love that quote from Audrey Hepburn. She said, nothing is impossible. The word itself says I'm possible. Gosh. And you just set the stage so beautifully for our next part, which is like what I what I call activating beast mode, right? <laughs> <laughs> and I really feel like, you know, a- after speaking with you and really doing some research and getting to know you and uh just what you're doing in this work, that, you know, it really does take a special person to create anything, right? But here you are creating something in, in what feels like a hopeless situation, right? Someone gets a terminal diagnosis and you are creating joy and this foundation to support them and their families and all of these things. And so I want to take a few minutes to talk about that. Not everyone is made for such uh such a, a commitment um and, and has the endurance that it takes to follow through to get where you are today with this and the impact that you're making in the world. So let's talk about what I call beast mode and you call you're just you don't take no for an answer right you right. there's nothing you drive through the obstacles as you said in your bio and that you do not take no for an answer and that there is a lot that goes into that right that's that's like a muscle that you build right not everyone is born with it but they can develop it and they get stronger the more they practice so i would love to spend a few minutes just talking about How do you do that? Like, and you started with the first step. It's the idea, right? So step one is like that message that you got in that class that you went to the gear up class. Um, And after your surgery, you know, the message to start this foundation. So there was your thought. So let's go from there to how did you do this? And how did you keep yourself on track mentally, emotionally, while you were still healing? I mean, this is huge. You're still healing from a major surgery that you had and having treatments and things like that. And yet you are focused on the rest of the world who's going through this. How did you do that?
1: Tell us. I'm a mother of two sons and I don't think there's anyone in the world I love more than those two sons. And when I heard them say what they said, it was like uh, God sent a a jolt of lightning through my body and my brain, and I could not forget their words. So that is what propelled me into this idea. And remember, I'm a creative person, and when I get an idea, it's important to develop it you just a lot of people have ideas can very few people can turn those ideas into realities those people are the ones who have commitment they think of something they develop it they they commit they're committed to it they make it a reality so i had this idea i'm a mother i developed the idea Uh, Through the development of the idea, I had to do several things. I had to discontinue my interior design practice because I couldn't do that and do this, which meant I was without income, which was okay because I always find a way to pay the bills. Even if I have to take my tambourine down on the corner, a little tin cup (laughs) somebody donates Yes, (laughs) somebody keeps me somebody keeps me alive and in this case it was my husband he he kept me alive um and from I mean those are hard choices you have to make hard choices you have to have uh, a sense of honor a sense of commitment a sense of determination And you have to not listen to people who tell you you can't do it. When somebody says, and there were several when I was developed, when I started, when I launched this nonprofit, oh, Sandra, you can't do that. How are you, questions like, well, how are you going to do this? And how are you going to do that? And what are you going to do if this happens? And I, I heard them, but I looked at them more than I heard them. And each one who said that to me, I looked at them and I thought to myself quietly, that's how they've lived their lives, in doubt. That's what has stopped them from ever becoming to or never, ever achieving their full capacity. Their questions are not for me. Those questions are for them. They're asking themselves, how do I, how do you do this, Sandra? It meant, how do they do it? Well, you can't do this. They're saying to themselves, I couldn't do that. So I analyzed the personalities that were giving me this um, this kind of uh, negative advice. Uh, And I listened and I was respectful and I went my way and I found others who said, wow, that's a great idea. How did you create that? Oh, my God, let me help you. And I found those people because people believe you when you speak from the heart, Kim. They know intuitively when you're a phony. They know intuitively when you're just talking to talk, when your life is just chatter. My life is not chatter. And I don't do a lot of socializing because I don't have time because I'm so committed to this cause. And I bumped into people that were sent to me in my path, and they became a part of this as volunteers. Volunteers, none of us get paid, none of us. So my husband, you better keep working because I'm not getting paid. (laughs) They're so committed, they all have full-time jobs. They're so committed to to the concept, to the idea We have women who have been diagnosed as terminal. That means you're going to die. They have little children who are traumatized by watching their mothers in decline every day. They see them in bed. They see them throwing up, diarrhea. They see them not eating, losing weight, sometimes blowing up like a balloon from the drugs. The children are watching this. Husbands, who love their wives, who are now deformed, who are scarred, who are um, in pain and sometimes so unbearable that they have to rush them to the ER. These husbands, guess what they're doing? They're holding down a job. They're doing the laundry. They're packing the lunches for the kids. They're getting to soccer. They're paying the mortgage. They're trying to stay afloat. And guess what, Cammie? They do not tell their wives that they are fearful because they don't want her to be damaged in any way by their fear. So they hold all of this in. The husbands become isolated. They become alone. They don't have anyone to talk to because they don't want to tell people, I'm scared out of my mind. And in one of our programs, The Hands Forgivers, I saw two husbands break down sobbing. Because it's only for men, and they're in our program, and they go into this room, and it's just for guys. I have beer and wings and stuff that guys do and what they eat and drink, you know, football stuff. And they go in there, and they talk about, we have people that get them to talk about this stuff. So this is what you deal with when you're dealing with stage four metastatic breast cancer. It is not her disease. It's their disease. It's a family disease and they are all dying inside in one way or another. She's physically dying. The children's little innocent souls are starting to shrink and they're fearful and they're filled with anxiety and the husbands are heroes, but you can't see it because they hide it. And that's what this is all about, the family. And by God, I'm going to give them the best damn vacations they've ever had. And they're going to have more fun. And they're going to talk about it for years. And those children will never forget it ever as long as they live. And they'll pass it on to their children. It's a legacy.
0: Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Okay. So that is, and that, you know, that in itself just really shows exactly. What fuels you and, yes. and what can fuel anyone that is working on a big, big thing that's going to impact the world? Just just your passion that you just shared just right there is the thing that keeps you going every day, when it doesn't look good, when it's not fun, when it doesn't look <laughs> like you're gonna I, I, oh my gosh, you could not have done that any better. I am turned inside out right now. I cannot believe. So let's do this. Let's oh wait,
1: you know, wait. You... I want to oh, say one going. more thing. I want to yes. say one more thing. Yes, yes. When you meet these stage four, and I know every single one of them, every single, they're not a number in this nonprofit. And when you donate to this nonprofit, you see exactly where every penny goes. Okay. So they aren't numbers, they're friends. And when you meet them, You're coming to the stage for change. I'm telling you right now, when you hear them and you meet them, your life will shift and you will be put in a different plane of existence because they are positive, they are upbeat, they are determined, they are passionate. They live every moment when their feet hit the ground in the morning out of that bed, every minute counts, every second counts. They don't waste time because they know That's the only currencies that they've got left before they die this time.
0: You wait. I know. And you're amazing. And I think that I can't wait, honestly. Uh, I wish it was tomorrow. But, you know, it's because of you and your vision and the love and the work that you're doing that is creating that space for them, that they can be. They can be that way. They can live like that. They can live their best life because you're out there advocating for them and providing these things for them and this joy. And they don't have to worry. That's one thing they don't have to worry about that's that's what you're doing and that is amazing amazing to me so let's talk a little bit about this what you're doing in Tennessee so you just had it was it last month was it August yes you just August. had the the big event so let's because we could have some listeners that are uh, you know diagnosed with this and maybe need to plug into what you're doing. So let's talk about what you're doing with that first event. And then we're going to jump right into the event that's coming up September 16th.
1: Okay. Uh, Every, every summer, Leslie Sweet hosts with our volunteers, please don't say what I'm doing. I'm, I'm a small part of a big group. I wouldn't take any credit away from any one of these volunteers on this team and you'll meet them all when you come to New Jersey to the castle. These volunteers are unique, committed, passionate people. And what we have done is that we have and host an annual vacation away from cancer for stage four metastatic breast cancer women and their immediate families. And we hosted at the Dreammore Resort in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, which is at the base of the Smoky Mountains. And it is owned by the Dollywood Corporation and Dolly Parton is a part of that. In the past, Dolly Parton and her Dollywood theme park have given us uh, donated tickets to the theme park for the families and the children. However, this year, uh, they had a corporate meeting, and this is an interesting story. They had a corporate meeting, and they said, uh, we can't do that anymore, Sandra. The uh, board of directors has said, we will only give donated tickets to our theme park and our splash country to Tennessee people, because Dolly Partners from Tennessee, and only Tennessee people can get it. That's a result of COVID because they lost a lot of money. And I understand that, I was in business. I understand you gotta balance the books. So I said, well, wait a minute, uh, Leslie's Week is a Tennessee corporation and we take women from all over the country and some of them are for Tennessee. Well, uh, they wouldn't do it. So I went on Facebook and I let all of the 20, uh, all the honorees know That this year, unfortunately, we cannot give you free tickets to the Dollywood theme park or Spice Country. uh, Because our money is designated for the vacation. And if we bought and and it came to $10,500, if we spent that money on tickets, that would deny two or three families a vacation. And I couldn't do that. that. That was a decision I couldn't make. So I figured they can go to the park or something. A woman by the name of Jen Heatherly was a 2020 honoree and it was canceled. So they all came. We combined the two years, 2020 and 2021 in August. She went online and she started a GoFundMe page and she raised $1,100. And she raised from her husband's business. He's in banking or something with money. You know, he does something with money. I don't know. What it is. A, really a, a nice guy. And they went on some kind of a trip and all these these bankers and, you know, investors and people like that. And she nailed them all. And and one guy gave us five thousand. Somebody else donated fifteen hundred. She raised all that money. And then I put her in touch because I couldn't do it because I'm sweet. They said I couldn't do it. Right. So I said, you can be in touch with the person at the Dream War Resort that I communicate with. And you have to pay her money or the money has to come to Leslie's Week. Leslie's Week has to write the check so that you don't get charged tax because we're non-profit. But you have to get the tickets and arrange all that because I'm really busy, Jen, trying to get these occasions organized. <laughs> she did it and she bonded with Donnie. They bought the tickets. The tickets were given to Jen when she arrived at the hotel. She put them all in envelopes to each family with their name that went into the gift bags or something, and they all got tickets to Dream oh Wars, uh, to the Dollywood and the Splash Country. And it was just amazing, amazing. This is a stage four metastatic breast cancer honoree who raised all that money for these other honorees because why? She's passionate and she's committed. And she even said on Facebook, I'm going to get those damn tickets. And and she did. God bless her. I love that. (laughs) So the vacation is every year in August. uh, And you you can become an honoree by going on our website, January 10th, nominations open, and they close April 1st. And you can nominate yourself or your oncologist can or nurse navigator or family member, and you can nominate and you'll go into our database. And this is how we handle it. We close on April 1st. The selection committee meets uh, April 15th or May 1st. I can't remember. I'm not on the committee because I've got to read every nomination and verify their stage four because they had their doctor's phone numbers, et cetera. And so we have to call or communicate with hospitals to be sure they're stage four, because in the past we've had some women who weren't, some women who weren't even breast cancer tried to go on this vacation, isn't that? But so I check and then I print and then I divide all those nominations into four packages. And then the committee comes on a Saturday, they each get a package and they sit there six to eight hours and they make the selection of who will come wow 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 and let me tell you i read some of those and i break down crying i read some of their nominations and their stories that's why the our our board said you can't do it sandra because if you made the decision that all go <laughs> you can't <laughs> do that and i said i know i know so that's how oh, that's how it works oh my goodness Okay. And oh, wait, you know, when I... oh, wait, wait, wait. I forgot the most important thing. This is really okay. important. So they come to the Dreammore Resort, which is a five-star resort. It is gorgeous. You walk in that lobby, and you have a tower of glass that looks out into the pool and the mountains. It's just gorgeous. The rooms are beautiful. They come there. Uh, the Dream War gives them a 20% discount on all food that they buy at the hotel. And we have uh, the next day, they check out on Sunday. The next day, Monday, we have a welcome reception. So we have a welcome reception in the morning. And then in the afternoon, we have our three programs, Club for Kids, Circle for Stage 4, Hands for Givers. And we split the families up. The Women go to Circle for Stage 4, the men to the hands, and the Club for Kids goes into the auditorium where... Uh, Our director, Tasia Gunn, sets up all these tables, and she's got paint and clay, modeling clay, and bags of stuff that they build, little sculptures, and uh, every imaginable art experience you could have is in that room, and those kids cut loose, and I was there this past August, of course, and I love it. When the kids are turned into that room because generally children will turn around and start to cry mom where are you going I don't I need my mommy guess what they saw that room and they took off they didn't care where their mother went or their father went <laughs> they saw all those kids in that room with all that stuff and they had the time of their lives we're doing now to show sauce so all. to you oh and I they, love that so the three programs are then for the each family member and then on Wednesday Uh, Then Tuesday is a family day. They go do what they want. Then Wednesday, we host a barbecue and music festival. And we have bands and musicians who drive all the way to Tennessee. Uh, The Holler Boys is one. They've shown up every year. And we had the Ted Yoder band who came. And uh, then we had um, James Warwick, who is a one-man band. He's hilarious. (laughs) And they came. And all I paid for was accommodations and driving expenses, fuel, that kind of stuff. They donated their time, and they played, did a concert for those families. That's the kind of people that show up, talented, artistic, creative people, donating their time when they could be making money somewhere else. And when it comes down to, it's not about the money. Mm. It's not about the money. I tried to give the Holler Boys a tip. They wouldn't take it. Adam Webb said, Sandra, we're not taking that money. I said, but it's just a tip. I just want no, you should give that to a family. Can you believe that? That's amazing,
0: isn't it? it is amazing and it you know what's amazing is that you started this and that it grew to your vision yeah. right and your commitment grew and attracted all of these amazing people that yes. wanted to be a part of something greater that you created yes. so when I, yeah when i say you i mean them because it was just that you were the one you were the one who had the idea and the courage and just got it started and I love just to hear how it's attracting amazing people that want to be a part I mean seriously that's what happened to me I I heard about it and I was like wait wait I need to be a part of this I need to I need to do something and so it's just an honor to have you here to be able to share this and to get it out to the world and just on a bigger platform and so it is just my honor and I'm one of those people that raise my hand and want to help too. Oh, Um, great, great. Yes, (laughs) I know. And I was actually thinking we're going to, we're going to, let's talk real quick. I just have a question about volunteers. Like what if someone's listening right now and they're like, needing something to, you know, spend some time on, wanting to volunteer for something or donate, right? So there's always, people can make donations, I'm assuming at any time to the yes. organization, right? To help fund some of this amazingness. So what What do you say about that? Like, who are you looking for? What kind of people do you need? Is there a current need of someone that is particular or do you just need as many people as you can that have that giving heart that wanna
1: help? Okay, uh, we do need volunteers, but I have program directors. Jill Mundell is the uh, circle for stage four. She developed that program and she is the senior program director over all programs, but that is her program. And then Tasia Gunn, who is the club for kids director. She created that art experience. And then we have Hands For Givers uh, which is a combined program that Jill and uh, others run. Stephen, my husband, runs that too. Uh, and if you want to volunteer, you let me know, and then I would send those requests to the proper program directors because they handle that. And I don't want to step into their, like Jill says, I don't want to cross the line. You know, that's their love program. It.
0: That's right.
1: Um, That's right. Let them do their thing. They're good at it, right? let them do their thing. And they know what they need better than I do. Yes. I'm I'm up here doing the, doing, you know, completing the idea thing. They're down there doing the reality stuff. Yes. Right. (laughs) On the ground. We had, I had an email several years ago from a woman called Barbara Pisano, who is located in New York, found Leslie's week, uh, sent me an email. She says, I'm a photographer. Can I... Can I volunteer to be a photographer? She's come two years in a row and has volunteered at her own expense to come to the Dream Moor and photograph the Club for Kids, the Circle, the barbecue, and then takes those photographs back and distributes them to us so that we can build videos. So she just carved out her own niche, so to speak. That's what she wanted to do, and she did it. And if you have... If you have bands or talented musicians who want to throw themselves into an organization and become a part of our barbecue and music festival, I'll tell you right now, pay for their accommodations if they're that good, and I will also um, <laughs> feed them some barbecue free. <laughs> <laughs> and who doesn't like some good
0: barbecue, right? Yeah, Southern oh Barbecue my goodness. Day. <laughs> Yes, yes. Okay, now. Let's talk about the stage for change workshop that is being held at the legacy castle on September 16th. Oh my gosh. There's your brochure. Love, love, love. You have an entire day planned. So amazing. Tell us a little bit about
1: what people can expect. Okay. Number one, we have 22 seats left and I want those to sell. And I'll tell you why I want them to sell, because we're not making any money. You never make money off of ticket sales. That covers like small expenses. Our our costs are covered by our sponsors, Juilliad Pharmaceutical, Seattle Genetics, Daiichi Isai, um, uh, Paxman, uh, Scalp Cooling. Those are our sponsors, and their money is paying for this to occur. So ticket sales is like nothing. I don't care about the ticket sales as far as the money. I want those seats filled. I don't want these stage four women and their husbands. Morning session is the women. Afternoon session is the husbands. And they each have a topic and they've been working on them. And they want their horses heard. And I don't want them up there at that podium speaking to an empty audience. We have 22 seats left, please somebody go online and buy those seats. Let's fill those last 22 seats so when they get up there and you know they're dying and they know they're dying, they have you to talk to, they have you to listen, they have you to share their stories with. They want you to know what it's been like to live the rest of their days every day with this disease. And the husbands, three of the husbands have lost their wives. And they want to talk about what it was like to care for them, what happened when she died, uh, how to talk to their children, how some of them never tell their children the mother's gonna die. They don't know how. Then the father had to tell them. These are stories that are so heartfelt and so moving and so profound that it is worth someone's time to come and hear these stories because it will change your life in a way that will catapult you into another level of living. And that's worth the price of a ticket, believe me. It's in New Jersey, got millions of people in New York surrounding New Jersey, got lots of people in New Jersey and Pennsylvania. Sure, you could drive down for for the day. Starts at 8.30 in the morning, so, you, you know, pack up and come on in early, do the thing, and drive home at night. Or, or you can stay at one of the hotels. I mean, I want to sell those 22 tickets. And what is this about? I want to read to you the vision that this is about. Stage four mission. To give our Leslie's Week Stage Four MVC uh, honorees a voice in their diagnosis treatment, and living results by increasing their understanding of the language and communicating with those who treat them in their quest for longevity. This is an opportunity for attendees to gain an understanding of the unspoken frustration of the MVC patients. That's the mission. The vision to host a workshop for Leslie's Week honoree MVC women and their husband caregivers are the presenters. They are the experts, Cammy, not some PhD doctor somewhere. These people are. I agree. And, who, and whose audience, the medical community, hospitals, oncologists, researchers, pharmaceuticals, nurse navigators, medical schools are the listeners to produce a stage for change workshop video of interviews with the presenters and attendees that is distributed widely. About the medical com- communities and medical schools. This is their opportunity, as they expressed to me a long time ago, to have their voices heard because they said to me, in a circle for stage four meeting, Sandra, nobody listens to us. That's how stage four became a reality. started as an idea in that room in 2019, and now in 2021, we're going to do it. We're
0: going to do it! OK, right? yes, you are. Hashtag no empty seats. <laughs> yes. Oh, my yes. gosh. And this is annual now. Yes. So every year uh, you're going to do this again and again, and yes. which is amazing.
1: And it will be at the castle. Will it always be in September? Uh, well, we didn't want it in October because that's breast cancer month. August, I have that big event. So September was the in-between kind of months amazing
0: amazing oh my gosh i just love everything that you're doing and everything that you shared let's do this let's tell our listeners where they can find you (laughs) under my desk
1: I'm hiding. <laughs> oh my gosh.
0: <laughs> oh, you are you are my new favorite. Oh my gosh, that was the best answer ever. So the website is lesleysweek.org,
1: right? Right. L-E-S-L-I-E-S-W-E-E-K dot org. And my email is sandra at lesleysweek.org.
0: And now, a word from our sponsor, Christine Trumbull, founder of Coaching the Climb, understands the challenges of building a successful business. She's faced many of those challenges herself and helped hundreds of clients build successful businesses. With the launch of her new podcast, The Climb with Christine, you will hear the same advice she gives her clients, as well as conversations with experts in a variety of topics, including business health relaxation mindset kids and fashion check it out on itunes the climb with christine and be sure to subscribe download and give her a rating and review This has been so fun. Oh (laughs) my gosh. Thank you so much for being here. You know, Sandra on the She's Invincible podcast, we promise our listeners, we're going to feature fierce female entrepreneurs. We are going to share their expert zone of genius. Oh my gosh. We've done that with you. So fun. (laughs) So well today, this has been such a joy, but We also promise them that we're going to pull back the curtain. We're going to let them in behind the scenes. You see, there may be women out there today that have a big dream or a big vision that they want to make an impact in the world, just like you did. Uh And they don't even know where to start. Or maybe they got stuck and maybe they're ready to give up. But. We're going to share with them some of your journey right now, and we're going to inspire and encourage them to get back up and keep going. So we're going to start with a story about the good. Could you share a
1: story with us about the good part of your journey? Uh, yes. And I'm glad you asked that question because it began with, in 2015, uh, we had five honorees. That, we were just getting off the ground, and we had five honorees. Uh, we started in 2011, but it took several years to get to get things rolling. And we had Michelle Mo nominated by a prestigious breast cancer center in Massachusetts. And uh, Michelle was um, Chinese immigrant. And she spoke English, but it was haltingly. And I was sensitive to the fact that she might feel she wasn't communicating properly. So I called her and we talked, you know, and we were sending her to Fort Lauderdale to the B Hotel, which donated their penthouse. And we were going to fly her down there and her family, two children, husband, and she asked if her mother could go. And I said, of course. Of course. And we had donors. I I put the word out to the donor community that I knew then, which was a lot smaller than now. And I said, I don't want this family going to the airport in a taxi cab or something because they don't speak English well. And I want them to be comfortable. So we had a donor who gave us a limousine to take them to the airport in Boston and to pick them up and take them home when they arrived. Then they landed in Fort Lauderdale. I called my, my board member, Annie Chang, and I said, Annie, I don't want them getting off that airplane and not being greeted with a sign saying, you know, the Shell Mo family, because they may not know where to go or how to navigate through that airport. She said, I'll pay for the limo. So she got a limo, picked them up, took them to the B. When they were ready to go, they came back in the limo. So we took care of their transportation. She went to the Bee Hotel and she has two of the most adorable little children you ever laid your eyes on. One of them for Christmas gave this to me. Is that adorable? That is adorable. That's from her daughter. Um, I I love it, I love it. So they went to the hotel, the hotel rolled out the red carpet, gift baskets, Put them in the penthouse, the top of the hotel, this living room and, you know, balconies were for the ocean and the whole thing and arranged trips for them, uh, tourist trips to, you know, go to this place and that place. And then um, the night uh, they were leaving the next morning and I got a phone call and it was Michelle and she's crying. And I thought something terrible had happened and she said, uh Sandra, I'm sending you a picture. They the Bee Hotel Beach Boys. Camera, you just won't believe this. I have a photograph of it. They did, they dug a big heart in the sand and they put we love you in the heart. And the hotel called her and told her to go out on the balcony. They had a gift and they saw that big heart in the sand. Now, when I spoke to her in April, she said they only gave me, this was before the trip, she said they only gave me two months to live, Sandra. So I don't know if I can take this trip. And I said, Michelle, you're going on this trip and you're taking those children because if you've got two months to live, you're going to give them this memory. You are not, not going to not take this trip. I got to fly up there and throw you in the back of a car. You're going to Fort Lauderdale, Michelle. And that's how I talk sometimes. And I know it's rough, but I made my point. They made the trip. Okay. She came back. Do you know when she died? They made the trip in June. That was June 2015. They gave her two months to live. She died May 17th, 2017. She lived two years longer. What if? She had never made that trip. What if those children had never had that memory of her? What if? Only God knows when he's taking you from this earth. Nobody else can predict that. That is the good. That is what happened. Her making that trip, and I would fly with Stephen to Boston to see our eldest son who lives there twice a year. And she would take the train and come to the hotel to have lunch with me. I even offered to come and see her. No, she wanted. She thought it was to honor me. She had to come to me. That's her culture. Is that beautiful? Oh my gosh! What
0: a beautiful story! Can you imagine if she did not take that trip? Like you said, like you. When the doctors tell you, you you still have to go with your gut. You have they, yes. they're not God. They have no idea. They no. can't. They don't know. I mean, they can do the best they can, but they don't know. And to discourage anyone from having that greatest time with their family is just... Wow! Oh yeah. my gosh! I love your grit too. I love like you're just like you're doing it. You're I, going I'm call on that you. When I, <laughs> yeah, when I need a boost, I'm calling you, Sandra. Oh, Please do. <laughs> I will. Oh my gosh! All right. Oh, that was so beautiful. Oh, and and I'm so sad to hear that Michelle had to go, but I'm so happy to hear that that she was able to really enjoy the fruits of all of the labor from all of you at Leslie's week and and just. The gifts right and the memories for her family all right lady well that was fun and now we have to talk about the bad so we're gonna go to bed, and then we'll save the ugly for the last so tell us a little story we got to ease into this you know we're trying to deliver hope here so tell us a little story about you know a bad part of your journey that you endured uh I got a couple of things
1: that were bad Uh, The first one was when um, I was an aspiring teacher, got a $25,000 grant for the school, and they booted me out because I was trying to change something. But that taught me a lot, and I've been through that. The second thing was uh, I was in the middle of developing Leslie's Week. It was the first year, and I had some of the volunteers uh, who I think were – They have been in, volunteers, let's see, how do I say this and not offend anyone? There are some people who do things for their own self-aggrandizement to enhance their image. And that's fine. I mean, we're human. I've done that sometimes in my youth, you know, try to look more important than I am. But in this nonprofit, we're dealing with terminally ill women And it's not about you, it's about them. And when you lose that motto, it's not about us, it's about them, and it becomes about you, then you don't fit anymore. And I had a walkout, (laughs) a strike. (laughs) I had a walkout of of a group of volunteers, Uh not a group, three or four. And uh, they didn't like the way I I was doing it. I said, okay, you can leave. I'll find someone else. Uh, But it doesn't matter to me how you feel about me. It doesn't matter to me how you feel about the idea or anything. It only matters to me that everything you do is about them. It's not about me. You don't have to like me. You don't have to do, but you have to be about them. And obviously, you aren't about them, so it is time for you to go. And they left. Guess what? Guess what? The most amazing thing happened. I had two or three people filter in who are permanent now, volunteers. Danielle Joyner, who is a graphic artist, who does all of our brochures, who did the cover for this book, who did the cover for this book, This book won an illustration award. She did the illustrations, she did the cover. This is gonna be entered in competitions. We won two awards with this book. She came in out of nowhere, out of the blue, and is now producing graphic images and literature that I could never do. So she filled that slot. And I had others, Jill Murray, who came in and took over the programs. And um, just it was just amazing. There was a hole, and then there was a hole for about two or three months, and then suddenly God filled the hole full of people, and full of people who do it for them, for them. It is hard, believe me, to develop this cover. It takes quite a mind, quite a creative genius to design a cover like this, terminal, far from the shallow. This book is going to win awards. It was just published at the end of June. That's Amazing. the kind of people that came back in. So from the bad where everybody walked out, oh, we don't like you, and you're, you know, you're too hard, and your your expectations are, yeah, you want to know something about me, Cammie? I have very high expectations, very high. And if you can't meet them, don't join. It's that simple to me. I don't need... An audience. I need devoted people who have high expectations of themselves. They don't have to fulfill my expectations, they have to fulfill their expectations. That's what it's about. So that's I love the bad. Oh my gosh.
0: Oh my gosh. I always say you have to get rid of the good to get to the great, right? You have to (laughs) make room for it. So you got to weed them out anyway. You make them mad and they leave and then all the greatness comes in. Oh my goodness.
1: Really? Think about it. Yes. That's how it happens. Every time it's just, you let go, tell your audience or I'm telling them, I guess that's right. (laughs) When you let go Uh, Most amazing things happen when you let go. Don't cling to impossible, negative, you know, let go, let them go, and things will flood in. It's just, it's the way the universe works. Yes, I agree. Yes. Oh, that's so good. Okay,
0: (laughs) we're going ugly, girl. Let's go ugly. Let's tell these gals an ugly story.
1: (laughs) Stage for change. I had this vision. This is the idea part. Okay. I said to the honorees, okay, we're going to do a workshop or a conference or, you know, something, and your voices are going to be heard. Now we need a place. Oh, okay. There's the Hilton. I said, no, no, we're not going to a hotel. We're not going to a ballroom. We're not going to some place that does this. It's a commercial thing. We got to find a place that is warm intimate, cozy. This is an intimate disease, ladies, and we want intimacy so people will listen. When you're in a grand ballroom of a hotel and you hear dishes clanking and servers coming and going and doors opening and closing, people don't listen. So we're going to a place that's like your living room. We just have to find it. And they looked at me like I'd lost my mind, which they frequently do look at me that way, but I love them anyway because I know they have stage four. So uh, I said, okay, we're gonna find another place. Da, da, da. Joy Ward stands up. She's New Jersey, stage four breast cancer. She's in this book with a, with a photograph of her body, her back, what they did to her, to save her. It's heart-wrenching. And she said, I know a place. She says, I'm a Jersey girl and I know the best place in the country. And I said, okay, speak up, Joyce. She said, we're going to the Legacy Castle. I said, where the hell is that? She said, it's in New Jersey. I said, okay, uh, let's talk about it. So she told everybody in the room, all right. I go to school, my children go to school with the owner's daughter's children and, and we're friends and da, da, da. And uh, she said, it's the best place. It's you know, a huge venue and it's elegant and da, da, da. So I said, okay, I'll go, I'll Google it and I'll look it up. So I did. And I saw photographs of that place and I said, that's it. That's the place. Now, isn't it amazing how God answers prayers? I want an intimate, warm place where people will listen, that is elegant when these women walk in. I want them to feel like the queens, that they are. Because they're stepping into, guess what? A castle, right? And you are you are the you are the speaker you are the expert so you are the queen and the husbands are the kings mm-hmm. so I made an appointment with Joy to meet the owner and uh, Mr Badan uh, and his family they run it they're a family oriented uh, uh, business and met him and so I, I walked in that place and remember I'm in the design business right formally. Yes. And so I did lobbies and all this stuff. And I walked into that lobby and I was speechless. It's hard for me to become speechless. It was so gorgeous, so elegant, so warm that I was, I was out. I was like, who designed this? Who did this? He did it because he had an idea. And he did it, so we made a deal. And uh, he heard my story. He heard about these women, and uh, I'm getting to the ugly part. I went back, and I uh, I have a friend who is uh, I don't want to say anything, but a friend who is a good friend. I told him the story. He says, "The legacy castle." Now he's from New York and California. He does business, you know, and so. New Yorkers and Californians, right? They know everything. So, <laughs> so he said, the Legacy Castle, he said, are you crazy? You can't, you can't do a workshop there. Well, they have weddings that cost half a million dollars. It costs like a quarter of a million to rent the place. You, you'll never get in there. You know what? All you gotta say to me is you can't do it. And I can guarantee you I will get it done. And I made that deal with Mr. Badon. This was, that was said to me before I met Mr. Badon. I made that deal with Mr. Badon and you know what he said to me? I'm giving you this, I'm donating it for your nonprofit because what you're doing is amazing for these women. I did not pay $250,000 to rent it, he donated it. We're paying for the food and the service and everything and we should because he's a businessman. And he shouldn't have to take it out of his pocket. But he donated his castle to Leslie speak because he's a good man and because he is a person who had an idea like I did and made it a reality. And he saw my passion and he saw my tears when I speak about these women and he bought it and he believes in it. And they have been amazing to him. You wait till you see how they set up the dining room, the the, the tables, the flatware, the centerpieces. I mean, everything is so elegant that you just want to, I want to go sleep in the damn bathroom. It's so beautiful. <laughs> I'm not kidding you. It's gorgeous. So all you have to do is say, you can't do that. Are you crazy? You're trying to make me feel stupid. That kind of comment. Like, I don't know what I'm, you don't know what you're doing. You're stupid. You can't do that. And he activated your beast mode. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. And my advice to your listeners is this. Beware the person who says you can't do it because what they're telling you is they can't do it. You can do it. They can't do it. Okay. Oh my gosh. I love that. Oh, that's so great.
0: Sandra, thank you so much for being with us today, for sharing the story of Leslie's week and your story. This has just been amazing. (laughs) I cannot wait to meet you in the castle. Oh, Oh my gosh. I am so excited. And to our listeners, I don't know where you are in your life or your business, but if you're face down on the ground right now, Get back up, girl. Get back up. You can do it. Tell them,
1: Sandra. Yes. If you are committed, you can do it. That's all you need is a 100% commitment. And do not listen to chatter. Do not listen to your inner voice. Listen to who you are inside. You can do it. It's simple. Look at me. I never ran a nonprofit. I don't have any experience when I got this started. And I did it. Everyone can do it.